when I was given uh, a feeling of love, of empathy by someone who cared about me, in this case, a family doctor, that's when seeing that they actually cared about me and not just like from a doctoral, like I have to tell you that you need to lose weight, but like you're not going to be able to enjoy a life slash you're not going to be around to enjoy life. And I care about you. I've watched you grow up and I want to see you continue to grow up. So please like, don't do it for me, do it for yourself. And that was like, Oh my God. Like, yeah, that hits home. Like mm -hmm. I'm 17 years old being told that I might not make it like, cause I'm, I'm 385 pounds. And it was at that moment when I was not criticized, but shown that love and that understanding that that flipped that switch for me. What is up everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. This is episode, I don't even know. I think it's 161 of <laughs> In Liberty and Health. Uh, today, I got a happy, healthy warrior here with me. And um, I don't know if I want to make his announcement for him if he's announced on Twitter. But uh, this man, um, you know, has a lot going for him in the near future. So anyways, Brian, welcome back to the show. How you doing, dude? Thank you, brother. No, and what you're talking about, the behind the scenes. So my wife and I are expecting our first. So stuff's getting real. It's it's uh, it's hitting it's hitting like overdrive mode now. Like the next three months are getting ready for real life to take to take over here with the, the new addition to the family. So now really excited. And then, uh, oh yeah, we, we're doing stuff at the program too. So that's also been a lot of fun behind the scenes, but thanks for having me on, man. Looking forward to it being back. Yeah, dude. Well, I'm, I'm really happy to have you back. And, um, you know, I think we all agree that that stuff that you're doing right there is literally the most important stuff of the Liberty Movement. Like this podcasting, talking about, you know, Libertarian Party versus Republican Party, all that bullshit is way in the rearview mirror when it comes to raising a family. Um, I've been talking about it a lot like recently, but, you know, I just got married and it's it was kind of like, thank you. It was real for me. And I'm curious about your thoughts on this and kind of what your experience was. Um, when I was flying to Florida with my wife, because we got married on a beach, I was like, we're like doing this. And then like, she's walking down the beach and I'm turned away counting seagulls <laughs> because it, it was a long wait. And then, you know, we're finally saying our vows. And for me, I'm like, holy fuck, like I'm 28 and I'm here. Like, <laughs> what is life? So I don't know. Did you have a moment like that in uh, your relationship? Uh, I, I mean, I'm not sure like if necessarily like kind of like holy, holy shit moment, like we're here. <laughs> But more so like just the real – like I think it's more so a moment of reflection for me is like I've I've had – so we talked earlier and I'll rewind a little bit. I'm usually up like four in the morning or so mm -hmm. and I'll use a lot of that morning time for me to like get my, my day started. I'll, I'll do some reading. I'll do some like stretching, go to the gym, like that kind of stuff. And like there was one moment where I was kind of just like reflecting back and I think it's more so of talking to – like talking to yourself 10 years ago mm -hmm. and – um, it was actually funny. I was texting one of my buddies from high school. We're 
we've been like one it's one of those friends that you, you talk maybe once twice a year and you pick up literally where you left off like nothing changed you'll have like <laughs> yeah. a, a, you know full-fledged week of conversation and then you won't talk to each other for another like four or five months um and i texted him i was like dude can you imagine because we used to do um like sports and stuff together i was like can you imagine we were in the weight room together we were both injured at the same time in football season and we were we were weightlifting and i was like just imagine us there and then like telling us where we were going to be when we're in our late 20s early 30s and it it just it it makes you really appreciate where you are Mm -hmm. and also gets you excited about where you can go Mm -hmm. and to see where i am right now you know in the process of starting a family and you know i've seen a lot of folks here in the liberty movement all in that kind of same same boat we're all changing priorities um you know this this what we do the, the liberty stuff yeah it is important it is a priority but we make the most impact at home and we make the most impact in our immediate circles. That's why I think we, 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 as a greater Liberty movement, we spend far too much time discussing the, the nuances of like federal issues and they are important. Don't get me wrong, but where can you make the most change, right? It's in your immediate circle. It's the, the Jordan Peterson, clean up your own room first, clean up your own community first, focus on bringing good people or good solutions to your, your community and help make things better there. Same thing with your home environment. You can't go out and try to do a podcast telling everybody else how to make their world better when internally you, your entire life is on fire. And you did like going back to myself. I think we talked about this last time. Like I used to weigh 385 pounds. Yep. Like I was a big boy. I've had issues, you know, with alcohol dependence and like all these kind of things that I've had to face over my you know, past. I, I think it's important to also appreciate where you are, but that it requires you to, to like overcome those things and to aim for really stuff that matters, right? To focus on those things that matters. And we sometimes get so caught up in trying to make everything else around us better that we forget that we have to start internally first. We, we can't build up a new building without a strong foundation first. So I think for me, it's just being able to take a step back, see you know where, where you were as a kid and thinking like, wow, what, what will it be like? What will the future look like? To see where you are now and then to really just appreciate and to focus on that personal development and personal growth from where you were to where you are, I think that sometimes is like the biggest aha that I get, if that makes sense. No, Did no, I make no, sense? No. I hope I made sense. <laughs> yeah, man, you're good. And I find myself doing the same thing quite a bit as well, where it's kind of bizarre for me. And we probably went back and forth about this, as you said on the last show, but um, I was 250 pounds at one point, and I struggled with probably what was depression, suicidal ideation, and plenty of yep. other issues. And then to think in my you know mid-teens where I had those feelings up until the time I was probably 24 – um, to look at myself now and say, holy shit, I'm married. I've had a house for five and a half years. Um, we have plenty of good wealth and my life is on track to be absolutely phenomenal and everything I've wanted it to be. Um, same as you, if I would have looked at myself, long haired dude, going to all these concerts and shit, um, when I was, you know, 15, 16, 17, I would have been like, there's no fucking way. And, um, you know, the other thing is there's also some humility in that because I'm sure you probably had this experience as well. When you talk to some older people that you're kind of networked with, you look at it and you realize, holy shit, they actually had a lot of valuable wisdom that at yep. the time I said, no, you're you're full of shit. So like the one thing I always think about is my early automotive career where I was making $7.25 an hour, literal minimum wage here in Pennsylvania, changing oil and rotating tires that weighed over sometimes 100 pounds and getting just treated like absolute dog shit, right? But then I look back at that now, I say, oh, well, 
that crafted me into an individual that can bear this responsibility that mm-hmm. I have today. Mm-hmm. And then that also transcends not only just, you know, all the responsibilities in my daily life, but that means that I can also help affect that in my local area and to the people that matter most to me. And they see the example I'm leading by that said example. And I think that's what a lot of people in the Liberty Movement need to do. And it's kind of also to touch on like the political stuff. When you see somebody like Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis as these elites, right? It's not inherently a bad thing, but you see they lead by example. <clears throat> and, you know, we could talk all day about the times where they failed, but they still led and people followed that example. So that's why I think, um, I know it's a long tangent, but um, I think that's what the liberty movement needs to represent going forward. No, for sure. And well, you're talking about the importance of leadership and libertarians sometimes confuse leadership with, with the, uh, the inevitable power vacuum that we, we rightfully identify when we see areas where unchecked power will then go unchecked. And I think it's important for us to differentiate the two that Leaders need to be powerful, but at the same point in time, their power needs to be put in check. But that doesn't mean that the leadership is inherently to be questioned because it's somebody in a power position. And it it is a power dynamic. Naturally, we're going to be very weary of anybody coming to the table trying to lead by power because libertarians inherently are against the idea of power. But it's not necessarily the idea of power as it is that that um almost like the end end mind and goal like you you have this dedicated vision that folks follow and i mean we talk about this a lot where you'll see in in sales and and in business the idea of paralysis by analysis Mm -hmm. and i've had some great conversations with some of the best minds in like the marketing worlds and in the the more tech and in such world and like a lot of the, the mindset that they have for better or for worse, and I would say for worse many times, is to almost focus on the perfecting the the product first mm-hmm. and then launching versus you're never going to be perfect. You're always going to be improving. You're always going to be getting, be getting better. So to be able to not get stuck in that paralysis by analysis and that paralysis by trying to make things perfect, but instead lead forward, know you're going to make mistakes, learn from those mistakes along the way, and then learn from others as you're going through this journey, but look to those who have had success. And I think that's one thing too that drives me crazy about libertarians is that we we look to those who have had political success, not with what can we learn from them, but right. that these are bad people and exactly. we should do the opposites of what they do. So we end up, instead of running good, credible candidates, we almost run the the weird neckbeards that that don't really have any position. <laughs> but let's be real. And I'm sorry if that's a little insulting to folks, but like, let's be real. For the past 20 years, really, for the libertarian movement, I mean, as long as I can think of the libertarian party before I was involved and since I have been involved, a lot of the folks that have been running as either candidates or have been running their their different chair you know, county chairs and stuff mm-hmm. they have consistently been more in this mindset of perfecting this social club versus right. bringing the libertarian movement into the political party lens and what's the goal of a party if anything to win elections but also to use that platform to help spread a message and we didn't do that we and we neglected to do that i think many times because of the fact that it wasn't the intention of those individuals to grow the movement but rather to feel more important in your kind of self-selected group and push those away who have had success because they were weary of what what does success mean success means all of a sudden that the pool grows right and as the pool grows all of a sudden the little fish that were considered big-ish fish in that little pond are now really small fish because the bigger right. fish are coming in mm-hmm. and the pond is getting bigger. So 
as the movement continues to grow, you're going to see that change. You're going to see, I mean, Jeremy Todd, he's a good friend of mine here in the program. He does some stuff for Cell Liberty. He talked about this once. He's like, hey, if I have an ability to, to like become irrelevant in the liberty movement, because there are people who are better than me that can then take my mantle forward and do things like sell liberty better, then I have done my job. That means that we have exactly. grown the movement. I become yeah. irrelevant. Same thing true here, bro. Like I want to go and enjoy time in the future with my family. If other folks can come and take the mantle of selling liberty and do it more effectively, please help us do that. But in the meantime, we have to be focusing on what works and what works is the basics. Look to what works. Look at the candidates who have had success. Look to the strategies that they implemented, what worked, and then be able to incorporate those into our, our processes here. And shameless plug. That's why what I'm doing actually doing a thing over my Patreon now to help a lot of like local candidates is called candidate school. And one of the big challenges folks have is like, if you were to be a candidate for your, your, your local and state offices, consultants cost tens of thousands of dollars. That's a huge barrier to entry for folks. So I, I'm like, Hey, 10 bucks a month, join a Patreon group with me. And we'll have like experts who both folks who have won their elections and lost their elections. Cause like you can learn so much from folks who have also lost elections and learn what didn't work. But you know, we're having electoral uh, experts on the show, uh, candidate experts, canvassers, you name it. And we're talking about strategies, round table conversations to like actually talk about what works, what has worked, what can we look to and, and refer back to. And I, I guess, you know, on the whole tangent here, it goes back to look where we've had success, look to others who have had success, even though we don't have to agree with them, look to what they were to accomplish and then learn how we can implement that, that process into what we're doing here. I am stoked to tell you guys about the show's new sponsor. I am now working with MTS Nutrition, which is a brand that I've believed in for a very long time, and they run awesome cells and they have awesome products. So um, I want to tell you about their amazing protein powder, which you're going to ask me how many pounds I have of the protein powder, and the answer is all of them. So here I got red velvet cake, 25 grams of protein, and they have the amino acids and everything on there, 59 servings. Peanut butter fluff, uh, fluffernutter, 26 grams of protein, and then also the chocolate chip cookie, which literally has real pieces of chocolate chip cookie in there. So 27 grams of protein, 180. As I've talked about on the show, getting your protein in is very, very important. So make sure you hit that link below and purchase your protein powder through MTS Nutrition. Boom! Yeah, there's so many people that like tie their identity to like um you know the libertarian party and they're so you know that it's to a fault because they're not able to do like you said look to people who've had success so mm -hmm. we all like to quote ron paul as we absolutely should but nobody looks at his success and thinks okay what did he do and the one thing i kind of knocked some of the republican people for was look at how rand paul and thomas massey did these are two people who criticized trump for where he was bad but mm -hmm. always stood on principle and their constituents love them. Yes. Who, you know, I don't even know who ran against those guys, but they got crushed. And you know what? What did they do? They stood on principle. They weren't yep. afraid to go against their own party, but they were also not afraid to go with their party when their party was right. And then when the time came during 2020, they weren't afraid to stand up for the people and say, you're sending all our tax dollars here. So my main takeaway there was if you're principled and you have a good record of being principled, then people appreciate that. So it's well, not really about quick. What, what did you just say right there? It wasn't necessarily the record <laughs> or not necessarily the principles. It was the record of sticking to those principles, right? Exactly. And this is one thing with like, you know, Bernie Sanders up until recent, I respected <laughs> Bernie Sanders because even though he didn't share my principles, he had his own principles. He at least held himself to his principles. 
right? And now he's lost a lot of that support from folks like me who respected him for that because he has sacrificed his principles in the name of political expediency. So now when you look to his record, you look for that consistency, it's not there. Versus you look at somebody like Rand Paul, you look at somebody like Thomas Massey, let's go back, you look at somebody like Ron Paul, right? Mm -hmm. They were consistent from where they were to where they ended up. And that's something that folks are looking for is consistency because consistency equals trust. And if you can trust somebody based on their record of consistency, then you by default will be able to trust more likely what they're going to do going forward. That's why Ron DeSantis, for better or for worse, has garnered so much support in Florida and beyond Florida because during COVID, yes, he, he dropped the ball at the onset. But what did he do? He admitted he was wrong. He took a step back and he started talking to different people, folks that we were talking to in the Liberty Movement, folks like Jay Bhattacharya, uh, folks like um, the the folks from the Great Barrington Declaration, right? Having these conversations and then once presented with new data and new evidence, took a step back and then re-evaluated things. And then he set a consistent path forward in Florida and was basing things on what he was already had done in the past. Mm -hmm. So when people are moving to Florida in mass, they're doing so because they look to see, hey, I think I can trust this guy on this really important issue. Go to the opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, states like California, states like New York, my you know, old state where you, you are now in Pennsylvania. I escaped that state because I couldn't trust my officials. I couldn't trust the elected officials in Pennsylvania. And you know what? They showed that I couldn't trust them because they just instituted a new mask mandate for kids in the public schools again. So that is something right there. I didn't mean to interrupt, but like no, trust okay. is paramount, dude. And the, the trust is only garnered when it's tied to the consistency because the consistency is the data that reaffirms the emotion that is the trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, absolutely. And as we kind of talk about consistency, um, that also applies to obviously the health realm because if you consistently absolutely. go to the gym, then you know that's going to consistently improve your health. I got this little piece of paper here because I did a podcast. You can't really see it, unfortunately. But um, it's literally a full body workout that um, I've given to my wife and then now she's starting to go to the gym two days a week, right? Well, if I just went up to her and said, no, you have to do push-pull legs six days a week, <laughs> one day off, and you have to go to failure every single set, she's going to look at me like I'm a fucking loon. You know? yep. <laughs> she's going to say, I, I can't do this. So yep. you have to start you know, sometimes at a relatively low level. And this actually kind of goes back to a point that you were making earlier, paralysis by analysis, and I want to talk about this a little bit. But um, yeah. you know, coming from the automotive world, I get this a lot because I work on, I work on Cadillacs, dude. I've had screens out of these things that are like bigger than me, right? So you're looking at a hundred thousand dollar car that somebody wants to be perfect. When I say perfect, I mean they don't want to hear a fucking sound going down the road. So when it comes to tearing this thing apart, it's like, well, what do I do? But you know, the thing is, you got to do something, right? So find the smallest thing you could chip away at and just start doing that. Start figuring out what bolts to turn, where you need to pull something off, what you need to do, start small and just figure out where you can actually kind of move the needle a little bit. And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people, as you were saying earlier, when they run for office, they're looking to set everything up rather than just hit the ground running and try to fix as they go along. And I mean, it even ties nicely into the point about Ron DeSantis going by the data, admitting he was wrong, which is huge for me, right? Because it shows that they're open to, you know, new data, which is, you know, a very, very rare thing anymore. But, um, you know, process by analysis, <laughs> being able to start small and then being open to changing paths whenever you're wrong. It's yep. huge. It is very, very important. Yeah, well, and this is where a lot of libertarians lose folks is we sometimes let our principles almost we, – we almost let them push people away because – 
we're trying to hold people to our principles. And that's not how it works, right? Everybody's holding themselves to their own set of principles, their Mm -hmm. own set of rules. So we are consistently going to be disappointed when we are holding others to our values, to our principles. Now, it's one thing to try and get them on board with our principles and our values, but to judge them for not being on board from the onset and not acting in that manner, that doesn't yield us any success in converting them over or at least getting more people who are on the sidelines to say, maybe there's a different way of doing things. I actually just did this um, episode this past week, funny enough that this topic came up here. um, And it was the idea, uh, the power of positive selling and how criticizing less can help you sell more. And I use the example, funny enough, in that episode of my weight loss. And we talked about this last time is that it wasn't the folks who were telling me I was fat and and saying like, come on, dude, like you want to have luck? Like with the ladies, you want to like feel better about yourself? Go lose a hundred pounds, fatty. Like that didn't work. What did that do? That actually was like a trigger for me to eat more and to, to like go down a negative, a negative uh, rabbit hole versus when I was given uh, a feeling of love of empathy by someone who cared about me in this case, a family doctor, that's when seeing that they actually cared about me and not just like from a doctoral, like I have to tell you that you need to lose weight, but like you're not going to be able to enjoy life slash you're not going to be around to enjoy life. And I care about you. I've watched you grow up and I want to see you continue to grow up. So please like don't do it for me. Do it for yourself. And that was like, oh my God, like, yeah, that hits home. Like I'm 17 years old being told that I might not make it like because I'm, I'm 385 pounds. And it was at that moment when I was not criticized, but shown that love and that understanding that that flipped that switch for me. Mm-hmm. The same thing is true in other areas in life too. We we seem to forget that. We seem to think that like just because we have the great ideas, we have the great principles that instantly other people will, will be on board and they'll, they'll just jump in because our ideas are the best. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works though, right? Like I, and I can tell you, I'm in, I'm in the sales world. I'm in the cybersecurity world for anybody who's out there in that world. And There's a thing called endpoint security solutions. So talking about like the the best of the best uh, technology to help keep your company safe. And I'm confident that the company I partner with, they have the best technology, the best SOC center, the best SIM uh, SIM team. And I know for a fact that like you put them against anybody else, they're going to win from a technology standpoint. Mm -hmm. But if I only went in talking about that with the customer and I didn't focus on what the customer actually needed to be addressed... Then I could just be I, I could be talking about you know aliens and rainbows and unicorns and it still wouldn't it still would have the same impact as me just talking about how great my product is mm-hmm. versus if you can find what it is that is that driver that emotional thing that that person is is looking for and address that because and I don't know about you man I see this all the time is that in this world right now people are just looking for some connection I read yeah. oh, dude you want to hear something horrifying and sad one of the top apps from the app store this year. You know what it was? It was an AI chat friend. Oh. Like just just something to talk to. Yeah. And it's not real. Like that that made me sad. That that means that there are that many people out there who are just looking for some type of connection, some right. type of like authentic relationship with someone. And they're willing to get that from a fake AI. Mm-hmm. Just just to get a feeling of there's something that cares about me. 
So if we can stop being the, 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 the I almost said woke scolds, because sometimes we turn into the woke scold with our <laughs> principles, but instead, and going back to my favorite expression, meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Because at the end of the day, we are all tuned into the same radio station. You know what it is? W-I-F-F-M. What's in it for me? And if we are not <laughs> listening to other people who are tuned into that radio station as well, then we're going to be white noise. We're going to be that staticky noise in between yeah. radio stations to them. So when we all of a sudden start addressing those issues, saying, hey, listen, dude, I hear you. Like I, I too used to weigh 385 pounds. And listen, I get it. It sucks. But here's what happens when you start to lose weight. Here's what you start to feel, not just like physically, but emotionally. Now I'm relating to that person on the things I know matter to them versus saying, dude, you need to lose weight. You're going to die. Like that. Great. What does that do for me? Like that, that's criticizing me. Like, hey, you want, you want to have better luck with lays, lose some weight. Like, okay, asshole. Thanks. I didn't know that already. That is a different approach. And if we don't implement that approach, we're going to continue to see like a lack of success. But when you look to those who have had success, what are they doing? They're having the success by meeting people where they're at on those emotional triggers that are driving them. And if we don't start doing that, other people are going to continue to do that. We're going to lose, dude. So yeah, that's that's why I think we just got we got to start focusing more on uh and I know emotions, right? Like people are like, oh my god, emotions, but like emotions sell. People right. make decisions on mm -hmm. emotions. And then our our reptile brain afterwards, we try to like, okay. How do I rationalize this? And then we start looking at the facts and reasons. Then we start looking at the features and benefits. And we, we, we kind of work okay. backwards. Yeah, we're like, oh, that's why I did that. Okay. But like the, the thing that actually made us make the decision, it was emotion. Mm -hmm. And we have to acknowledge that. If we don't, like pardon the expression, but like the autistic libertarian, like my principles or else, like that doesn't win. Mm -hmm. Even if we're right. <laughs> and that's yeah. the part that's the hardest is like, yes, you're right. Your principles are right. Now what? <laughs> and yeah. that's that's where we have to start answering is that now what? Yes, we're right. Now what? What are you going to do with it? How are you going to get more people on board? You can't good idea them to death. It doesn't work that way. You have to meet them where they're at. You have to show them the value and you have to show them you can actually solve the problems they see. Yeah. So it, it that kind of goes to like Donald Trump's story arc where you look like 2015 mm -hmm. and it was all about make America great again. I'm going to bring yep. back your jobs. It was a very 100%. emotional appeal yes. because I mean, if you look statistically, I mean, he really didn't deliver on any of these promises, but the fact is he sold that to people as, Absolutely. like I said, an emotional appeal. And then come 2020, he didn't have that same emotional, you know, zeal where saying, keep what did America he have? Great. Think about it. It was either make America great again. And then keep America great. Dude, we went through a summer of right. peaceful, fiery, but mostly peaceful protests. Yes. And he's like, yeah, keep America great. That's great to you? Yeah, yeah. and then he said, yeah. on fire? This is Biden's America. Dude, yeah. you're, Dude, you're in your America. You are the president. <laughs> yeah. This is literally your America. Like, literally. Yeah, and I felt like his messaging in 2020, and then even like the baits, he was like, you know, a, a fish out of water, just unleashing and yeah i mean it's kind of funny to watch him go for the jugular because that's where he is strong but at the same time it's like dude people lost their businesses their livelihoods um we're likely seeing now the effects in the ticked up death rate now people want to blame that on a certain experiment which i think that's climate change yeah yeah but i think there is a 
that is perhaps to blame, but peeps, it, it just frustrates me when people forget that we literally went through lockdowns that destroyed people's lives, and now we're likely seeing the price of that mm-hmm. all throughout the globe, and people just seem to want to let that go. Sorry, I don't want to let that go. So when yep. you have Donald Trump saying, let's keep America great, and people lost their businesses, people had to stay locked in their homes, and you have this guy saying, oh, look, everything's great. Let's keep it this way. That doesn't sell. <laughs> like, And that egomaniac you know, it just, like I said, it doesn't sell to people. So when you look at someone like Ron Sanchez who said, oh, I see the problem here. Let's sell it this way. That's why now he has so much appeal because he's, you know, he was able to course correct and then sell people basically on the idea that, hey, I'll keep Florida free. Mm-hmm. Well, what did Trump do? I mean, and let's kind of, there's two parts here. The first part, the Trump strategy, his initial campaign strategy in 2016, which was effective, was they're not coming after me. They're going after me to go after you. you. And everything in the campaign was, I am the face of the attacks against you. They're not attacking Donald John Trump. They're attacking you, the basket of deplorables, right? Mm-hmm. So everything in the campaign was the voter-centric. What changed in 2020? Mm-hmm. Was Donald Trump-centric. Yep. Election, <laughs> right? It, like it, it, he's still it, oh, the about four it. years, yeah. exactly. Yeah, the four years of, of you know, and he was right, by the way. He's right. He did spend four years being attacked by the Democrats and saying that the election was handed to him by Russian collusion. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. And again, going back to what we were talking about before, it doesn't matter if you're right. What matters is is your message resonating to your average person, and you just hit the nail on the head. What hit? Literally, what hit home was people losing their businesses, losing their livelihoods, being told, hey, you're not essential. You're going to stay home. And you're essential. You can go to work. Okay, well, how am I going to feed my family? We'll figure it out. And that was right there, a lot of the stuff caused by Trump. Trump's the one who promoted Fauci. Trump's the one who promoted the China-style lockdowns. Trump's the one who fast-tracked literally Operation Warp Speed for an experimental mRNA vaccine. Am I allowed to say that? Sorry, I hope I don't get you banned. But no, like, no, you're good. <laughs> this was all done under Trump. And he can't get away from that because during the, the entire time he was doing this, he was owning it. He This was success. Mm-hmm. As recently as I think like a couple of months ago, he was touting the, the, the vaccines, the very good vaccines that saved, he said, millions of lives. But now mm-hmm. we're seeing might be causing uh, some lives as well. So we're seeing right now Trump, he's, ha- he's at this issue where it's like, how do I number one, turn the conversation away from me to the voter again, but number two, disassociate from the things I actually did mm-hmm. that I thought were successful, that weren't actually successful, but now that I'm running in a primary against the guy who did the right thing, I have to differentiate, <laughs> and how do I yep. do that? And Trump's in a pickle. So what does he do? Trump trading cards. Um, and <laughs> and Ron DeSantis can just sit there, and he hasn't even announced yet, but he can just say, look at Florida. Look at what we've done. He has Look a why we continue to have millions of people flood into our state and why all those blue states like California, New York, Pennsylvania, they're all losing folks in mass. The only blue states really gain uh, any voters or, or residents has been New Jersey. And it's because they're taking the, the voters who are escaping from New York City saying, I'm out of here. We're yeah. out, of New, or, uh, out of Philadelphia. And they're like, I'm out of here. I'm going over to, to South Jersey. Like, I, And who can blame them? Dude, Philadelphia, homicides are up like, I think, 400%. It's insane in philly right now i lived there for seven years i was like nope it's a different city even like how weird it was as a liberal city from the, the beginning when i moved there in 2015 to when i escaped in 2022 oh my god like the the, the place was a, a night and day like it was a horror movie like restaurants you used to go to all the time 
closed. You walk down what were nice areas in, in town, homeless people, encampments. You go down to the yeah. subway in Center City, Tent City down, down there. Like, what is happening to these blue cities? And I'll tell you what's happening. Everybody knows what's happening. This is decades of unchecked leftist policies finally coming home to roost. Yep. Sorry. That's the that's the fundamental reality. I I woke up last night like at two in the morning, couldn't get back to sleep. And I was like, fuck it, we're gonna go to the gym. And uh I I was like laying there in bed. I have some um some in-laws who they're just they are so not 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 the, the parents. The parents are great, but some married into in-laws that are just like so down this like leftist rabbit hole mm -hmm. also live in philly and just like very judgmental of anybody who, who questioned the covid uh propaganda mm -hmm. and like i i remember when i was leaving the city and they were like complaining about you know all the covid disinformation and stuff i was like hey dude you know what you can have that opinion and uh it's fine i'm just not gonna share a city with you so i'm gonna leave taking all my tax dollars with me and you can pay for all this nonsense yourself. And you can just see kind of like the, uh, like the, the what face, like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, dude, like all this stuff that you think is like this great, you know, the, these great leftist policies and like all the things you want to put in place for like COVID disinformation and stuff like yeah. that. Like, that's fine. Do that here. That's great. But guess what? People like me, the people who like were sane people two years ago that are now considered conspiracy theorists, dude, we're out. And we're taking everything that we used to bring to the city with us. I'm taking all my tax dollars. I'm taking all the money I used to put into the economy, going to the bars and going to the restaurants and going to the, the theater events, coming with me. It's going to different areas, areas that don't hate me, areas that don't actively despise my values and right. actually go to areas of people who have my shared values and goals. How about that? Like, that's, mm -hmm. a, that's a thing I'll take. And, and I'm going to guarantee that you fast forward in 10 years, the area that I have chosen versus the area that I have left is going to be in a much better spot because- it is of those shared values, and it's not of these insane leftist policies that are finally coming home to roost. So, yeah, and rant. Yeah, no, no, no. you're good. Yeah, and I fortunately live about an hour north of Pittsburgh, so I really don't have to worry about the city stuff coming out here. I mean, I see Trump mm -hmm. flags everywhere. So, I mean, I could probably look out on my front porch and see at least half a dozen. But um, the thing that I kind of noticed with the midterms, and I obviously want your thoughts on this as well, yeah. is that um, – a lot of people talk about um, fraud, and you have to be careful how you word this because YouTube will pull the video down if mm -hmm. you say it a certain way, which is just – it's ridiculous. It's beyond retarded. But um, I really don't think there was that much fraud going on. I think what we observed was that the blue areas got more blue and the red areas yep. got more red. I think that's yep. all there was to it, and people – want to say like hey no, no 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 you know my my guys can't lose like they're, they're doing the trump thing and not that i think there was absolutely zero but i think people just fail to acknowledge that these areas that lock down hard the people who like that are okay with it they're not going to go nowhere the people who hated it they're not going to tolerate it so yep. look what happened in florida it was kind of funny i had hector Roos on and i think he's yep. a good guy oh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think his run like no, what, I agree. What was the point? Dude, he was on my yeah. show. Same thing. I was like, Hector, yeah. what the fuck are you doing, dude? And he 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 made a very good argument. I I heard him oh, out. Yeah, he does. I just I was like I I not I don't I don't see it. Like yeah. I think it's wasting our our resources. Like yeah, you can be the foil to like go be the foil to Lindsey Graham or yeah. go be the foil to Bernie Sanders or yeah. AOC. Why Ron DeSantis? Like like why? And then like genuinely why? And and that is the question. I know he's not perfect, but. 
we have to stop going towards this like again this ideal perfectionism spiraling exactly like we we will continue to alienate we have to instead start building coalitions that's why the democrats did so well Mm -hmm. up until like 2016 was because they were doing like this coalition building of the different groups but they were focused on like the the racial stuff versus the stuff that actually matters the, the the like the stuff that we share in values and principles and building those those relationships finding common ground that's where we will win because those issues will transcend the racial issues. They will transcend the, the socioeconomic issues. We're looking right now, folks who are more of a Hispanic background moving into the, the South, they're leaning Republican because they share more values with Republicans than they, they do with the Democrats, right. which, which is scaring the shit out of Democrats because that wasn't supposed to be the plan. Right. The, the folks who were coming from Mexico were supposed to be religiously Democrat because we were letting them in. And that didn't be, the, that, that's not the case. And that right there speaks to why it is so important to, to not just scream about values and how important like our ideas are, but rather talk to people. Say, hey, what is your issue? Let's find some common ground, build that relationship, build some common uh, trust, and, and and like then use that to go forward into other areas. Yeah, and I really like the theme that we've kind of built throughout the show here. But um, building trust with people also requires you know having, as you said, a relationship with people, right? Yeah. When you have a relationship capital with people, then they're invested in you, right? So the yeah. best way to get people to invest in you is by once again, you know, if you build a relationship with somebody, they trust you, and then therefore they're more likely to listen to your ideas, and then maybe you can sway them towards a more liberty leaning direction, and. You know, just sitting here screaming autistically in the corner, which, you know, we all do sometimes, you know, it's okay, sometimes we have to let it out. But, um, you know, just doing that doesn't really appeal to that many people. So it is very important that once again, we present ourselves as wholesome people. Yep. Well-developed individuals with, you know, a solid ideology. And then as you say, we have to meet people where they're at and then hopefully they, you know, trust us and have a good relationship with us. So that way they're more convinced of our ideas. Let me ask you, and uh, I'll at, I'll start my question with my experience. So sure. I'm finding the most conversations I'm having with folks who are interested in our solutions have been, by and large, small business owners, entrepreneurs, and I would say like you're not politically independent per se, but more so like that person who has been like politically agnostic, if that makes sense. Like they've they've kind of been in the John Mulaney skit uh, mentality where he was doing the horse in the hospital uh, bit. Are you familiar with that? No, I'm not. No, so basically John Mulaney does the skit where he's like, you know, back in 20, before 2016, didn't really think too much about politics because I thought the person in charge was kind of a intelligent person. Whereas 2016, and he uses the analogy that Trump was a horse in a hospital, just like being let loose and like he didn't know what he was going to do. And then he suddenly like got more involved in politics and more interested. He's like, well, we never had a horse in the hospital. And you go back to, well, why wasn't he involved in politics beforehand? And it's because folks were just kind of (laughs) taking the blue pill, right? Like they were in their own little matrix and they weren't really involved. So I'm seeing more of those folks who were like, what is happening around us? Like folks from work who back in 2017, they were kind of like, I want to say a normie, but like now I'm hearing them be like, yeah, dude, like what is up with the FBI? And I'm like, really? Really? You want to talk about the FBI and like it being corrupt? I brought that up in 2017. You would have thought I was a conspiracy theorist. And like (laughs) that for me has been exciting. So I'm saying like those three areas I'm finding are more open to a different way of doing things. What are you seeing on your end? Like who are the folks that are 
entering into like a, hey, help me help me learn what your world is because I'm curious and I want to learn more because maybe you want to do things different. Yeah, it, it typically comes in like, holy shit, I'm paying so much money for everything right now. Mm. And then it, it's everybody's going to have an inherent bias when it comes to political stuff, right? I mean, everybody knows that, you know, some people are going to default a little bit more to the right. Some people are going to default a little bit more to the left. But when people go to the grocery store, like I went there the other day and I took a picture. I think I got two um, 12 packs of Diet Pepsi, um, dog food, and I think a carton of egg whites. It was $52 fucking dollars. Like, Holy shit. What? Yeah. yeah so – but when people hear about that, then they're curious, like, what the hell's going on here? But it's like, okay, well, you remember those stimulus checks you got in 2020. <laughs> now, now look what happened. Yeah, that seemed nice at the time, but now you realize you're paying the price. And this, um, you know, the price you're paying at the pump, same deal. We yep. printed all this money and then our hostility towards energy policy and, you know, fracking and stuff like that. And I, I've been meaning to do another podcast or a podcast on fracking and actually how safe that technology is and how effective it is and the ability a lot of folks think it's like it's like the end of the world i don't get it no no it's not there's so many technologies i've i read a paper or i wrote a paper on it when i was in college but um you know the fact that we've had such hostility towards using this kind of technology that's going to affect your price at the pump so the stuff that like matters to people every day right once again what their purchasing power can do for them is kind of where it, um, people are most perceptive to the message mm. of libertarianism and like hey the government is stealing your retirement your purchasing power right out from underneath you and then selling your kids off to you know our, our debtors all over the world so you know, we need to speak to them about this and then tell them, look, the solution is you, we need alternative currencies. We need to go back to what the Constitution originally said, where, you know, we should have more of a free market and currency, not a monopoly on, you know, this stuff that comes out of our wallet and is being worth dramatically less and less and less day by day. What about um, culture issues? Are you hearing anybody like bringing up the like the 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 trans uh the trans uh what is it the trans um trans of the kids yeah i couldn't think of the, the way they, they're expressing it the transing of the kids and then like the grooming of the kids and then what was the other one that like drag queen story hours is that anything you're hearing as conversations or is that all like conservative echo chambers i think that's largely on twitter um mm. now where that is happening i think that needs to be stopped and i think the people who are perpetrating that are bad people and i think they should be punished that being said um I don't hear it every day from people, but when people find out that it is happening, they're absolutely fucking disgusted by it. Yeah, and yeah. I think all sane people agree, even the people who are like might be a little bit more open to that, like on the left side of stuff. Did you watch they, Tim Pool? I mean, stuff discussing. No, no, that's okay. Um, yeah, I do a little bit. Yeah. Did you watch the recent episode? I think it was uh, it Michael Knowles, Michael and, Knowles um, yeah. and Luke were debating. And this conversation know. came up. Um, Luke, Luke, uh, Rodowski there from We Are Change, he was on, and it was uh, Michael Knowles. And they're going back and forth. And this conversation came up about like what is considered like the the societal discourse. Like where where are we like all on board? Like you, that's gross. And and the example was I think that Michael gave was like you know punching a grandma on the face versus like giving a kid a hundred dollar check. Like you know we all are like yeah, the punching the grandma in the face is objectively the bad thing. 
All right, guys. Um, I'm absolutely thrilled with the uh, show's new sponsor. Um, I am now sponsored and uh, have an affiliate through LMNT Electrolytes. Um, I have used these electrolytes for years. Um, back when I used to do a lot of fasting, in fact, I used to drink sometimes I want to say up to seven a day, seven little packets. So um, the packets are full of all the electrolytes that you need to perform and hydrate yourself properly. Um, you need sodium for pretty much every single function in your body, despite what um, a lot of people may tell you. Um, sodium doesn't actually cause a lot of the issues that uh, people kind of would have you believe. So um, just real quick to give you a little bit of facts. Um, you don't need sugar to hydrate. Electrolytes and water don't require glucose to pass through the gut. The average American consumes over 60 pounds of sugar a year. And um, when it comes to athletic performance, um, you can actually lose up to seven grams per day in hot climate. So um, make sure you click on the affiliate link below to get all your hydration needs. And like I said, I'm super stoked to have these guys um, teamed up with the podcast and uh, just make sure you get your uh, electrolytes through element. All right, guys, thanks. And like, why, why is that objectively the bad thing? Why do we all in our, like in our soul know that that's wrong. And it's like, how do you then take the what we know in our soul is wrong and set that as the standard without government being the standard and then there was a conversation going into the difference between community and government and like michael's argument was government is if anything an expression of community gut feelings whereas luke was more the well we need to emphasize more on just the community doing the societal standards by their actions and their practice. And it's this very, this very fine line, right? And this is, I think, where sometimes we get, and I think Luke made a great argument, by the way. I think his argument was solid. The problem is, again, when we lead with arguments, we we sometimes like get lost into the 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 weeds. Like we're we're now talking about well, how do we determine uh, what is the age of consent? And when you start going down the age of consent stuff, what are we doing? Like that's not a conversation any libertarian will have any success in because now you're talking about what age it is okay to diddle kids. No, like that's yeah, people no, 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 no. What are we freaking <laughs> doing here? That's not the conversation you're leading with. The conversation you should be leading with is like what you talk about. Uh, why is gas so expensive? Why can't I get more food in my grocery cart? Like, those are the issues I'm seeing for sure, like 10 out of 10. So I just wanted to see there because I hear this a lot and you see this on, on Twitter, you see it on social media, beyond Twitter, but like the idea that this, like this, this social cultural Marxist approach to like transing the kids and grooming the kids, like, it's like permeating everywhere. Mm -hmm. Now I'm always on board with like school choice, get kids out of the government schools. Absolutely. But like, I'm not leading with that as the reason behind that argument. You know, right. it's like you have to be able to reframe it, I guess, based on where people are seeing the problem come from. It's like if you if you saw somebody who was going 100 miles an hour on the interstate and, and the person uh, like a person reported them, they're like, well, they were going 100 miles an hour. It's like, why were they going 100 miles an hour? Like maybe their, their you know kid just got into a really bad you know bike accident and they had to rush into the, the ER. Right. And understanding the context of why that person was doing what they were doing. I know like then you're like, well, you know, you're just getting down a slippery slope of explaining things. It's like, no, you're going back to what we're talking about. You're trying to understand why people do what they do and then make the, the parameters, the frameworks work within that system. I'm going into the weeds now myself, but like yeah. going back into what we originally were talking about here, reeling me back in. Um, it is, it, it, I think we get way too 
emotionally attached to those cultural conversations because the cultural conversation itself invo like it evokes an emotional response. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, yeah, and it is important for us to kind of build culture, but right. at the same time, um, you know, as you were saying earlier, if you just tell people, well, public school shouldn't exist or take your kids out of public school, for most no, people, okay, freak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not a realistic situation. So why can't we say like, okay, well, if we have public schools, which we do, then mm -hmm. it is clearly preferable that they don't do things like this. Like, right. it, it, you can't have the either or. I, I was, yep. I also started a shit show on Twitter a couple of weeks ago over um a reoccurring theme for you man yeah yeah sometimes i'm, I'm pretty good at throwing bombs but um also <laughs> i asked <laughs> someone gutted a deer in front of a middle school i saw that. <laughs> yeah in, in their front yard and my question was does it violate the nap the answer is no, no. but also <laughs> there's some children that probably right. don't want to see a gutted deer yes. so why don't you do that in your garage or put in the backyard and there were some people saying like oh well you should know where your food comes from like okay well i also don't think you should have to show children how to have sex to understand where they came from right. now once again you can teach kids about this kind of stuff without violating the parents trust or that kids you know consent you mm -hmm. can say hey you know I i'm i'm the adult of this child and i want this kid to understand where their food comes from uh, okay well we can have that conversation but you know obviously when we start getting into the trans stuff then that's well, like, did you, okay. and really quick i mean like there's like a video okay, yeah. that came out of a school board meeting uh -huh. where a mom was reading the book that was in the library yeah. and then the school board member goes please stop there are kids present here and the mom's <laughs> like no kidding that's the point yeah, yeah of right. course like this is the real and that right there i think she, that nail on the head yes yeah, so these things aren't inherently, you know, outs you know, they're not harming people necessarily, but let's call it what it is. It's fucking wrong to show kids, right. you know, sexually explicit material. Yes. And if we can't agree on that, then like, you know, bring the media already, dude. If we can't protect the most vulnerable among us, then we are doomed. And, you know, we should always prioritize the health, the wellness of children over yes. everybody else. That is always the most important thing. Because people hate it when people go for their kids and all that. Like they're they're the bears of the future. They're the bears of this country. So we yep. have to make sure that their lives are taken care of to the utmost degree. And that was an, the reason of another shitstorm. The children need to come first, and they need to be taken care of. And that means taking care of yourself, so that way you can better take care of all the other people. Like they say on the airplanes, put your mask on first, yep. then your children's. Oh, oh yeah, and and this is like. I know this is like another like, oh, Brian's not making a libertarian argument, but like this is why the border conversation is so important right now, even though we don't want to have it. It's like you can't bring – I get it. Like, yes, there is a demand for work. There's a labor shortage. Yes, that's not the same thing as having millions of illegal – and not necessarily – give her the word illegal. There's millions of, of people who are in need just flooding your border. If that was the case, if we had to take every person who needs help here – America would have 8 billion people because we are literally like the most just privileged country in the world. Anybody mm -hmm. living here is going to have a higher standard of living than anywhere else. Of course. Like, but we can't do that. You can't do that. It's like, to your point, it's the same thing with like a boat, right? Like if you're trying to save people on the life raft and all of a sudden 30 people are swarming towards this one little boat and they start pulling the boat, guess what? The boat's going down and right. everybody's down with them. Yep. You can't do it. And, and this I guess it goes back to why we sometimes as libertarians get way too into these arguments like, 
okay, well, let's talk about, let's debate the closed border versus open border conversation. It's like, no, let's address the reality of what's happening right now, that we have to live in this society real time. It's not this like weird thought experiment where, you know, we can talk about this and then test it and be like, oh yeah, let's see how that works. Like, no, no, people are literally experiencing folks flooding over the border into their communities right now happening. And now they're having to face it. And it's funny seeing areas like Philadelphia being like, we have more undocumented uh, folks being brought up here in buses from Texas. Like, how can we, how can we deal with this? It's like, you're a sanctuary city. I thought you were supposed to be okay with this stuff. No, (laughs) but little, little border town that has 10, 20,000 people and on the Texas-Mexico border that gets flooded with 80,000 uh, immigrants in a day, they're 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 okay. They're fine. They're, they're used to it. Like, come on. This is where we lose the argument because nobody right. takes it seriously. Yeah. Like, you're living in freaking fantasy la-la land and we're trying to like address things that are really happening and that's where we, we jump the shark. We lose the argument and then folks don't listen to you because then they're like, oh yeah, these guys are just talking in, in you know their, their own make-believe world, their own utopia, which is almost the exact same argument we give the, the, the commies and our leftist friends because that's what it is. It is a mm-hmm. utopia. We have to acknowledge the reality of that there are as much as there are good people in the world. And I think inherently people are good, but there are bad people in the world yes. and there are people who will do harm. They There are evil people who will go out and, and, and cause destruction and mayhem. And we have to acknowledge that. We can't right. just like go in with the, the preconceived notion that everybody shares our same values, our same principles. I live by the golden rule. I believe that you treat others the way you want to be treated. But I know for sure that there are folks out there who do not follow that rule in the slightest and would go ahead and cause as much destruction as they could if it meant they were going to get ahead. They yeah, don't live dude. in that reality, man. That's, that's just real world. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And it is something that we definitely should have woken up to over 2020 is that like, we have to be in this reality and meet people, as you said, meet people where they're at and then give them solutions to their problems. Um, I know you're on a little bit of a time limit. So um, I'll ask you a few more questions. We'll get on out of here if you're good with that. Yeah, Yeah. what's up, man? Nice. Uh, Brian, what gives you hope about the future and, um, you know, long term, short term? And what are you kind of looking forward to? I have hope for the future because there's more conversations like this happening. Um, I believe we're going to see, and and this is happening right now behind the scenes, more individuals out there who are collectively waking up to, this isn't right. Something is off here. Now, whether or not they're on board with us, to be determined. But I think it's a great opportunity, right? I'm 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 a sales guy by trade. We talk about finding your, your target market. Who's your niche that you can go after? For too often, the liberty movement has been this uh, attempted one size fits most. And what we got was in return consistently less than 5% in the votes. And we got a squishy, not really growing party that represented, according to Gary Johnson, social social liberalism and fiscal conservatism Mm -hmm. versus when we started focusing on, okay, what is it that are like the top issues that we can lead with? And who's the audience that we should be speaking to? Who's our buyer persona that needs what we're selling? Once we started to take that in consideration and lead with that, and we do this more consistently, we're going to find that that niche that we're going after, that target market of folks who are like, quote, waking up, it's going to keep growing. And the benefit that we have is that when you look at the old, the old status quo solutions, red team, blue team, Republican, Democrat, those two teams already come with them 
preconceived notions that folks will carry to to the the uh, proverbial like checkout counter, right? right? But with us, there is as much uncertainty as there is potential. So we have to be able to then like earn their, their trust. We are the RC Cola of yeah. of political parties, right? Yeah. And if if let's just say all of a sudden, uh, you know, all these Coke and Pepsi drinkers just started going crazy, right? Just started screaming at each other. And other RC Cola or, or other Pepsi and, and Coke drinkers are like, is it in the drink? Should we be concerned? Should we try something else? RC Cola would have a great chance to be like, hey, listen, if you're concerned about the way that the, the Coke and the Pepsi folks have been acting towards each other, well, hey, listen, we have not just a good drink. It's a great drink. And here's why. And then go into like, hey, you, you like the sweet taste of Pepsi? It's got the sweet taste of Pepsi. You like a long drink you can just sit and enjoy like Coke? It's just like that with Coke. And and talk to those folks on the issues that they care about. And then be able to sell them some RC Cola. Now, is it going to be the like the instant takeover of market share from RC Cola? Absolutely not. But you build up that you build up that little bit, and you build that snowball. And it starts to grow. All of a sudden, people are like, "Wow, RC Cola is pretty good." Hey, you're a Coke drinker, right? Have you tried RC Cola? Not only does it kind of taste like Coke, but it has you stop screaming at people too. And all of a sudden, <laughs> that that group starts to grow. Word of mouth starts to become a thing. All of a sudden, the the, the one per person who bought your product now becomes a super fan. They become your your sales arm, more or less. They're going out and sharing your product without you having to ask them to do so. That's when exponential growth mode happens. But we only get there once we get those those few people interested first and get them on board. So it's knowing who should we be going after. And in this case, I would say, let's look to the folks who they are the movers and shakers in their communities. They are the movers and shakers in their industries, whether it's a, a business, whether it's an industry, whether it's a you know a, a thought, uh, you know, a, like a, a, a political interest group, you name the topic, right? Go towards the individuals who are the, the, the leaders, the thinkers, the movers, the shakers. Get them on board and then watch what happens when you are able to earn their trust and get them to start becoming your advocates on your behalf. That's where I'm optimistic because I see if we continue to, to build relationships, meet people where they're at. I'm sorry, guys. I know every time I say this, you guys should get a dollar. Meet people where they're at on issues they care about. We will then be able to build that up and have more long-term success because of that approach versus just screaming about how awesome our principles are. So I think that's that's what I'm I'm most looking forward to. Nice. Yeah. And it uh, kind of goes to a theme that I've been talking about a lot recently, but it's uh, become your own hero. Mm. Everybody's waiting for a hero, but you know nobody's going to step up and do it for you. No one's coming to save you. And that should be the most optimistic message in the world because it means you have the ability to save yourself. So uh, yeah, Brian, if you don't got anything else, go ahead and give your plugs. We'll uh, say uh, our, you know, our salutations on the other side. <laughs> Rock and roll. Well, hey, hey guys, if you uh, enjoyed what we're doing here uh, for, for the Brian Nichols Show, well, I would love to, to have you join the audience. So please join me at briannicholsshow.com. By the way, I'm rocking my new Magic Money Tree shirt, which has our uh, Magic Money Tree with a unicorn and leprechauns. And the Magic Money Tree is, of course, the Fed. If you want to go ahead and get your shirt, plus we have so many other uh, political shirts and you name it, we have it over at the shop. So head to briannicholsshow.com. The, uh, the shop link is right there. And use code TBNS at checkout for, uh, I think it's 10% off uh, your order. And then uh, as for me, you can find me on uh, Twitter, Facebook, pretty much anywhere we have social media at B. 
Nichols Liberty, uh, Brian Nichols Show. We are going uh, live five days a week. Really excited to uh, have amazing guests who are bringing a lot of the great solutions that we need to bring to the table uh, to the audience and showing how we can sell those ideas. And uh, as we talked about, instead of winning arguments, we're winning hearts and minds by meeting people where they're at on the issues they care about. I'd love to have you join me, BrianNicholsShow.com. Thanks, Kyle. Nice. Of course, man. Well, uh, hopefully everybody goes and checks your stuff out. I enjoy talking to you as always. It's very enlightening and very uplifting. So um, everybody make sure you like, subscribe, and share. As I always tell people to do at the end of the show instead of the beginning of the show, you think I would tell them to do at the beginning. But um, yeah, guys, until next time, thanks for checking out. Um, you know, Leave good reviews and make sure you go check out Brian. Take care, guys. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.